we're talking about the kingdom of heaven. We're talking about parables now. We're going to start a new series this morning. And uh, with the parables, I did a series about three years ago on the parables. It, it was my first series that I really just thought uh, I could really get in trouble on this one. Ever since then, I haven't stopped. There is a, an excitement of getting in trouble, right? Has anyone, was anyone like that when you were a kid, right? <laughs> you knew you were getting in trouble, but the exhilaration was worth it. Well, the first experience as a pastor, preacher, whatever that, that, that I've had with getting in trouble is the parables of Jesus. The parables of Jesus are where all the things that, that we think we know about God go <gasps> like that, with that sound effect, correct? And so with this series, uh, uh, K-Cups, we, we had that series started three years ago. Who was here for K-Cups three years ago? Oh, wow, that's great. That was the best series ever, right? You've never heard one better. Okay, awesome. Well, um, we want to get back to the parables. Uh, there's actually so many parables that uh, we haven't taught yet. And so I, I want to, uh, each year, we're going to flip back to the parables. It's going to take us about three more years to go through all the parables. But uh, we're going to hit some parables I haven't hit before. But the biggest issue was, how do we name this series? Because how do I give you what it is to me to read the parables. And so I had one title for it, but I was shot down. I was told that's too offensive. People will be mad at me, right? Because that's never happened before ever at Grace Church, okay? I was told you can't put that on the sign on the street. People will just be so angry. So I couldn't name it. that. If you want to know what that title was, you can always come to me personally. I would love to share it with you. But we had to, you know, define something. What is, is this thing which encapsulates the, the, the parables? What happens when the parables get you, when they get a hold of you? And so we thought there are no words, but there is an emoji. This is our series for the next month. Mind blown emoji. There are no words, all right? And it's perfect for the parables too, because parables are not just words with kind of a, um, a direct word-for-word -word meaning. Parables are not um, stories with morals. Uh, when you read parables, you're not supposed to read it and try to figure it out. Uh, you're not supposed to read it to define the symbolism in every single thing. Parables are pictures. They are pictures of a place that we create with words. And so if anything is fitting, it's an emoji. Parables were emojis before emojis were a thing. Amen? Are you ready for Jesus emojis? Yeah, that could be a little bit sacrilegious, but that's okay. Here we go with this, okay? And so with the parables, remember, when you hear a parable, when Jesus starts out and he says, the kingdom of God is like, okay? Pause. Say this to yourself. Imagine if. Imagine if. Here's why. It's going to give you the freedom to engage your imagination. There was a time when we did not walk around with these. Can you imagine to be entertained throughout your day with not having one of these extensions of your life? Amen? There was a time when we did not even have these screens, right? There was a time when it was impossible to create an image of what was going on in your mind. We had to use our what? Imagination. The reason most of us do not understand the parables and we get frustrated with the parables, the parables are the least taught thing in churches. Because they're frustrated. We don't know how to get them sorted. They're not to be sorted out. Parables are to be imagined. 
when you go to a new place for the first time, okay, uh, imagine that um, I booked you a flight to Aspen. Who's been to Aspen? Don't raise your hand. We don't like you. Okay. <laughs> when you get off the plane, you are going to be taking it all in. Sight, sounds, smells, the temperature, everything. You want it to all kind of get soaked in because it's new, it's unfamiliar. When you open up your back door into your backyard, is it the same experience? If you nod, I'm not happy with you either, right? You have an amazing backyard. Okay, that's not my backyard, all right? There's dog poop and weeds. Okay, you get the idea. When we step into a new place, we are sensitive. We let everything kind of in. The worst thing that you can possibly do with the parables is think you have it all figured out. Because if you try to enter into the parables with, imagine, walls up, meaning I already know what I'm going to find in this place. When you walk into a room that you've been into a hundred times before, you don't go into it with sensitivity with an eagerness. You assume you know what's on the other side of that door. When you walk to your bedroom, you don't go, what's in there? Correct? You already know what's in that room. This is a space, the parables are a place where we open the door and go, what is in there? Imagine if. We are to be surprised by this. Okay? And so Jesus creates these parables for us to be for us to be affected by. Okay, the idea of the parables to get into you, for, for it to mess with you, okay? And so, uh, this morning, the first parable we're going to talk about, this parable we have here in Mark, and I hardly ever teach from Mark. Mark is um, the shorthand gospel. We believe that, that the content from Mark is where Luke and Matthew get all their information from, the majority of it. And so, with Mark, he's got good stuff, but it's all shorthand. But there is... But there are a few things about the Gospel of Mark that I love. Here's one of them. The Gospel of Mark is the only Gospel that has this parable in it. I love this parable. And so he says this. Imagine if, okay, imagine if there is a seed that when it gets thrown on the ground, the guy walks away, he goes about his day, he wakes up, goes to sleep, he goes to work, picks up the kids, come home, watch TV, goes to sleep, blah, 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 blah. You get the idea. And one day he walks out and, Plant, fruit, harvest. Wow, that's awesome. Who here ever had like a chia pet? It was magical to you, right? Like you kind of just like, you water it a little bit, you wake up in the morning, oh my goodness, my whatever rock has hair, right? I mean, one of the dumbest things that anyone's ever invented. Wouldn't it be so cool if a rock had hair? And not even like real hair, but like hair like grass. We all know what they were smoking, Grass, right? Yeah. You all get it. This is what's happening. Okay. Now, it says later on in the passage, it says down here in verse 33, it says, with many parables, he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. He, he did not speak to them except in parables. Now, what it's trying to say here is that he chose specific parables for specific people. Meaning he's trying to, to relate to, to their world. He wants to bring things to them that are familiar, they can understand. He's not trying to trick people, okay? A parable is not a riddle. How many of you have read the parables like they're riddles? Yes, you have, and you just don't know it. Like, okay, like, like oh, he's trying to trick us, what's the point, what's going on here? It's not a riddle, 
The reason that you don't get it is because it's unfamiliar to you. Okay? The guy right here, okay? Arnie, one of our elders. He prints. Prints big things, many things, all sorts of complicated foil and who cares what, right? It, it's, you know. He'll print the tickets to the Super Bowl, right? To you, it's just a ticket. Here. And I go in. To him, it's not. <laughs> hours and hours and people messing things up and all the details. And it involves all these different teams to create. The, he knows that world. If I come to you with a parable about printing tickets, you're going to think it's a riddle. What's he trying to say? I don't understand. What are we missing in this parable that we don't understand because we're not familiar to it? Who here uh, is a farmer? Hands up. Who, who, who has been farming? One person, maybe two people. Um, what about gardening? Here we go. Okay, all right. When you walk out to farm, to garden, do you just toss the seed and walk away? And then you turn, come back one day and voila! Is that how farming works? Are farmers the most lazy people on the planet? No, we're talking about farmers because they have an awful job. <laughs> they work from sun up to sundown. Why? Because it takes what? Work. What's wrong with the parable? These are magic seeds. <laughs> okay, this parable is like the infomercial. It tells you, hey, if you buy this shampoo, you'll wake up in the morning with hair again. That's what Jesus just said to these people. They go, no, 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 that's not how farming works right? We don't just throw a seed and we go do our life and all of a sudden there it is. That's not, we're skipping steps here. What we're skipping is the role of the person, of the man. What's missing is your role in this. See, there is a spirituality that most of you were raised in. Most of you were taught this. If you want to grow into Christ, here's what you do. You're going to work that field, baby. You're going to pray, and you're going to fast, and you're going to fight with your temptations, and you're going to do everything you can do. You're going to be at every church meeting, and you're going to give, and you're going to serve, and somewhere in your work and all that ground, there's going to be fruit, and you're going to be a good Christian. Amen. Is that where you were taught? Something like that. Were you taught to... Allow grace, the seed of grace, to be thrown in your life and then go about your life. And then one day you're going to wake up and you're a great Christian. No? Now see, here's the place where everyone wants to say but. Here's why Jesus is the hardest for any of you to swallow. This is why pastors and teachers and theologians stay away from the parables. Because we always want to say but. We are so tempted to correct Jesus with the words of Paul. Well, no, no, no. Paul said... No, Jesus, it's not how it works. You do that, I promise you. Understand this. The parables are meant to be taken on their own. Parables are not given to be taken with all the other parables. See, these parables are given to very different circumstances. These people need this parable. These people need this parable. The idea of you getting all the parables is a new one. That's a good thing. Here's the problem. The moment that a parable begins to set in on you and affect you, for example, the moment I tell you, hey, guess what? Growing in Christ is not about your work. It's not about your striving. It's not about your hours and hours in the Bible or prayer. The moment I say that, you say, no, 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 but, 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 you're missing the point. 
Trust me. Effort, energy, time, investment in the Scriptures and prayer. These are all important, crucial things. He will talk about that at a different time. But you're missing the point. See, the parables, you have to let them sink in. Don't worry about the buts or the ands or the what about this parable or what about Paul. You're missing it. Let this sink deep. There is a shifting and a changing and an effect it has on you when you let it go deeper inside of you. See, this parable is not about works. This parable is not even about judgment. This parable is not about any of that. This parable is about the grace of God. Let it sit in. Because you don't understand grace yet. The moment you start fighting with Jesus in the parable, you're missing it. Let it sink in. We need this. And so what this parable is showing us is that there is a place with God where He is at work when we don't even know. See, the amazing thing about, about seeds is that there is a whole teeming of life and activity that happens underneath the dirt that we don't even see. The birthing of life, the transformation from nothing to something, from death to life, happens under the dirt. This is where the good stuff happens. But see, in the parable it says, it grows in such a way that the man did not even know about it. What you have to get is this. Understand this. Grace requires you to give up control. To give up knowing. To give up knowing when God's going to do it. How God's going to do it. To create space. See, what's so powerful about it, it didn't say the guy sows a seed and he washed it every day. He sowed the seed and he watered it, put the miracle grow on it, put the pig poop on it. <laughs> I don't know, whatever you want to do, right? It said he sowed it and he was oblivious to it. See, there are people in your life who you say, there's no way God is working in them. I don't see God anywhere in that person. You don't know what's happening under the surface. There are people who you are so frustrated with. There's people who you can't stand. There's people who you can't even stand to be around. But you don't know what's happening down here. See, I, I uh, got a message from a friend of high school. And he's, it's been 14 years. And he said, here's this article from Dallas. This four-year-old girl was beaten to death by her stepdad. Beaten to death. And he says, hey, I'm sorry to drop this on you, but how can this be real and God be real? How can, how can I look at this world that's so broken and jacked up and believe that God is at work in this? See, this parable isn't just about your life. This parable is not just about, you know, the basics of society. This parable is about the cosmos, meaning God sows his son into everything he made. And there's something happening. But on the surface, when you look at this world, do you see it teeming with life of Jesus? Love, compassion, forgiveness. I had a great story, which I shared the first service, and she went in here. It's going to be hard, this one. Uh, we're going past the Rogers Walmart, and there's this woman who's, who's coming towards us. And she's waving and honking, just going, just losing her mind. And so I'm thinking, okay, what's going on? So I start to slow down. With a car to my left, and my wife behind that car did not see this woman. So I'm kind of watching. I had the window down. And I realized the last second what she's doing. Her phone had fallen on the street. 
She's trying to tell the car to go around. She goes, bless you! And for a moment, she thought there was hope. Well, it was just a little Honda Civic. I think my phone's okay. Comes, <laughs> comes the soccer mom van. Go, 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 go. And she jumps out of the car. Thank you, Jesus in heaven. Bless you, woman in the minivan. Is that what you think? Life and Jesus teeming all around us. She was not calling down blessings on my wife's minivan. I had the window down. I heard all of it. When you look at this world, you're not going to see the life of Jesus' team. What you're going to see is death. Barren ground. Have you ever seen dirt with nothing in it? Just dirt. It's sad. Now, there are some people here who just like love the desert. I get that. You know, like I'm Arizona, whatever. I'm not like a guy who loves the desert. I think it's depressing as all get out. Brown, orange shades of brown, red shades of brown. <laughs> it doesn't do it for me. I just, sorry. There's something sad about the desert. To me, like, that is the epitome of death and sin and evil, right? That's, if, if you want to live in the desert, you go out there. There's nothing on the surface. When you look at this world, you cannot say, look at this world. I see God everywhere. But you don't know what's happening down here. This is how the kingdom of God works. But the problem is this. We have to choose. We cannot choose to, we cannot be both God, meaning we can't be the one who tends the, the, the soil, who makes everything happen, who's working it, who's watering it. We can't be this person and then also leave space for the grace of God to do it. We have to choose. Am I going to be God or am I going to receive from God? Am I going to try to be God in the life of my child whose, whose life is falling apart? Am I going to try to fix everything and make everything work and try to make this seed grow? Or am I going to realize that, yes, there's things that I'm going to do. I'm going to pray. I'm going to be there. I'm going to be loving. I'm going to be supportive. I am going to speak the truth. But I'm also going to step back and say, I think this is a place for God to move. I've done everything I can do. On the surface, everything looks dead. But I know that where there's death, God knows how to bring life out of it. I know that even if I can't see anything on the surface, I believe that my God is at work in this situation. Even if my friend, if, I, if they've been told that they have cancer and that they're going to die, and even if all the tests come back negative, I know that my God can work underneath the surface. There's something happening here. And this is a challenge for us because we have two bad habits. The first habit we have as humans is we love to play God. We love to be in control. We love to control how God moves in our life, and we also love to control how God moves in other people's lives. As a pastor, I get this all the time. Well, pastor, what do you think about so-and-so and about this and this? I know they're doing these things. What do you think? Whenever I was growing with Jesus, it didn't look like that. When God changed me, it didn't look like that. You don't know what's happening under the surface. Life starts underground. I do know this. Life starts in the ground, but at some point it will break the surface. There will be a point when what God's been doing down here is going to be up here. There will be a time when I can see the life that God is doing, but I won't always be able to see it. I'm going to have to have this thing called faith. 
And there's going to be a place that if I know for sure that grace is real and God works even without my control, without my permission, I also know this, that where God is working, where grace is at work, there will always be change. There will always be new life. I know God's at work in someone's life when I can see new life. And it might look completely different than what I've ever seen before, but when that, when that, when that stalk begins to break the ground, when that first sign of life begins to happen, it's not all the way grown yet. It's not bearing fruit yet, but it's coming. You need to learn to be a person who can see the early signs of life. Even a child can see when a plant has fully grown with fruit hanging down. But it takes a skilled eye to see when something is breaking the surface. And often with the people who in your life who you love the most, even with ourselves, we are so harsh. I don't see any life there. And we are so quick to stomp on it. See? That's wasted. If God was at work here, it'd be changed already. No, 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 no. Slow down. Slow down. Sometimes when the blades begin to break the surface, that's the time when we are so quick to stomp on it. Whenever we begin to see God at work, that's when we're so tempted to take control. No, no, no. This needs to happen faster. We need it to go faster. Step back. You've been taught that growth only happens when you make it happen. But I want to tell you this. You never get to take credit for the work of God. If your spiritual maturity is the result of your effort and your choices and your awesomeness and how great you say the Bible and how, how sinless you are, guess what? You're a really great human, but you're not a great Christian. When you come to a place where you can step back and say, I don't even know where it changed, but somewhere it did. Yes, I was trying. Yes, I was praying. Yes, I, but something just happened in me. There is a space in our lives where we will only receive from God to the fullest that we can when we learn to step back and just make room. We stop doing, we stop striving, we stop forcing, we stop trying to manipulate or reach goals, and we just say, God, there are certain things that only you can do in me, in this person I love, in this situation, in this problem, in this world, in my family. Only you can do these things, and I'm going to step back and watch the ground because at some point I know life's going to begin to break to the surface. I feel like I need like a Hammond B3 in the back. We're too white for that. We can try. We can try, right? Get some Stephen Furtick going on in here, right? Come on, that's funny. Some white chocolate in the middle. All right, whatever. So what's so beautiful about this parable, he, 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 he starts with this parable, which again, I just love this one. That you have to choose to allow God to be God. You've got to sit back. And your only responsibility in this space is to be someone who can see potential where no one else does. So this is what Paul says. He talks about that we are a people who when we look at each other, we see new creations. That sounds so great when you're with a brother or sister who is just trying their best. Oh, I can see the potential in you. But when you have to walk in and see new creation in the life of someone who looks nothing like you think that godliness or holiness or righteousness looks like, that's the challenge. And he goes right from this into the next one. He says, oh, okay, how do I explain the kingdom? How about this? 
It's like a mustard seed. It's like this tiny seed. When we put it into the ground, it bears fruit, and it creates this, this large plant that other animals are able to lean on. He talks about these eagles. They come and they, they rest on the branches of this tree. What's powerful about this parable is the word that they use for tree is the word that begins to be used by Paul to, be, to use for the cross. It's the same word that harkens back to Genesis. What Jesus is doing is he's connecting trees here. See, there are multiple trees which are kind of milestones in the Bible. You've got the first tree, okay? You've got the tree of the knowledge of good and evil sitting next to the tree of life. You have the next tree, and there's all sorts of trees in between, but you have the next tree, which becomes the tree that we see on Golgotha, the mount where we see Jesus crucified. And then the next tree that we find is in the heavenly city, and we find a tree called the tree of life, the same tree that was all the way in the garden. And this tree is the center of the city, and all the life of the city is around this tree of life. And they say that from this tree comes the healing of the nations, meaning all of the world is made whole from this thing. And so all the way back to this parable, Jesus uses this same word for tree. And he says, and so in order for this tiny little seed to become a tree like this, a tree that others find safety in, a tree that others find wholeness in, it starts with something. And see, what's so, what's so, so crazy about this? Who here, okay, knows that seed has to be what before it's born? So if I just toss it on the ground, is it going to like bloom up into an amazing tree? What is the first most basic thing that's, that you would tell someone about planting seed? What do we need to do before we plant the seed? Water it, fertilize it. How about dig? If you toss it on the top, eh, that's a chance. But if you make a small little cubby for it, right? And we cover it up. Seeds need to be Planted, sown, meaning put into the dirt. Put into the dirt. And I just love this parable. I love that all these parables center on dirt. There's something so powerful about that. That God is at work in this place. He's at work in the dirt, in the mess, in the grime, in the ugly, in the dark, in the place that no one else wants. Do we have any uh, neat freaks in the house today? Come on. Don't point at people. Just, <laughs> you know, if you are one, don't do that. It's okay to do this. There's something about keeping the mess out, right? Let's keep the dirt out, right? Okay. <laughs> I always imagine that God is found and at work on the inside of the clean places, right? In the houses, um, in the sanctuary, in the temple, right? In the clean places <laughs> with marble and white walls and stained glass windows, right? But these parables are <laughs> God is always playing in the dirt, right? From the first moment when he breathes life, into that stinking dirt. He never finishes with the dirt. And then he sends his son who, who takes this body of dirt, picture it, covers himself in the dirt. And now when Jesus says, okay, what's the kingdom like? What is God like? He's like a God who gets dirty, who gets down where we are. And the one thing about the dirt in this parable of the mustard seed is, he shows the, the, the possibility. Here's everything that you could be. You could become this, this source of life. God is going to sow himself into the world. What's going to come out of this is life and wholeness and beauty and restoration. 
This could even be you. This could even be your life. You could be the soil that Jesus is sown into and beauty and life comes out of. But there's something that has to happen first. This seed has to be buried. It has to go deep. And see, the majority of us have suffered in our spiritual walks because we've only ever allowed Jesus to kind of sit on the the surface of our lives. Everything's been shallow, skin deep. But see, the kingdom only bears fruit when it goes under, goes deep. And burial is symbolic of one primary thing. When someone passes, we do something with the body. We put them into the dirt. And see, there's something about this Christian faith that can't get away from death. See, we're about to end the service. When we do, we're going to partake of a meal. The Eucharist, the Lord's table, a, a meal Christians have been doing for 2,000 years. A meal where we partake in the sufferings of Christ. We take the broken body and the spilled blood of Jesus and we partake of it. We share it. Who wants to take communion now? Oh, silence, okay. We take you to the big bathtub in the back. <laughs> the promise is not, hey, we're going to wash sin off of you. Amen, you're clean now, go home. Get dry. It's not what this tub is about. The reason that your sin is left in the water is simple. When you go under the water, we're not symbolically just washing you clean or symbolically burying your body. There's Devin laid to rest. Apostle Paul says, when you were baptized, you were crucified, meaning yourself your very identity, who you know yourself to be, your, your control over your life, your resources, your money, your future, your relationships, everything that makes you you is now on the cross, buried in the dirt, is dead. The seed has been sown into the dirt and covered up. And what comes out of that is life. See, we're people who believe in resurrection, but resurrection only happens after if I tried to resurrect you right now, if I brought the paddles, charge them, and I put them to your chest right now, is resurrection life going to come out of you? What's going to happen to you? You are going to taste death. I'll actually need them after I apply them to you. Now we got to do it again. Resurrection life has only one effect. It brings life out of death. But here's the problem. We have to embrace the death part. Now we're not just talking about the, the, you know, physical death. We're talking about allowing who we are to die. Allowing us to transform from a lowly tiny seed and allow ourselves to go through the only transformation that God offers. Death. But in death we transform from a tiny seed insignificant, full of potential, but only potential. And we go through the only path that's offered of death, and on the other side is kingdom life. On the other side is something that is large and healthy and whole and bearing fruit, something that is good to help and nourish others. But the only transformation, the only way through is death. See, you can be a great dad or spouse or employee or boss. You can be all sorts of great things. It just takes giftings and effort. Giftings and effort. Just, it just takes being an American, working real hard. 
But you will never work yourself in to Christ-likeness. You will create the best plastic shell you could ever create. But only you will really know what's going on on the inside. There is transformation in here that will never happen with pure effort and application. It will only happen with letting go. Yielding. I'm not sure if you ever caught the analogy. But the reason that we baptize you is you are allowing yourself to be baptized. Now some people fight it because they're terrified of water. And that's always painful to watch, right? <laughs> Don't you know? I mean, think about it. It's terrifying. I mean, your life is now in someone's hands. You know, if I start preaching when you're down there, it, you know, it could be bad. But you are yielding in the process. You let it happen. You partake willfully. This is the only doorway to Christ-likeness. You will never experience the life of Jesus into your life until you learn to step back and to let go, to take your hands off of your life, to stop controlling and micromanaging and trying to, to figure things out and plan your way through and formulate this and reach this goal until you step back and say, there are things that only God is going to do in His timing, His way. And they will only come from death, which for us feels like letting go. Both of these parables hit the same thing. We cannot receive from God. We cannot receive what God wants to do in us and the people around us until we're willing to stop trying to be God. Stop trying to control. There is a, a line that Jesus uses. He says, the earth produces all on its own. Meaning, there are fields and fields on this earth that are producing crops because humans work it. Awesome, guys. We finally figured it out. Trying to make things grow. Awesome. But there are entire rainforests and plains and fields and mountaintops full of life that has never had a human touch it before. Because God doesn't need our help. 